It's the Post Traumatic Faith Podcast with your host, Jill Riley. On this podcast, Jill explores what faith can look like after trauma. Hi, I'm Jill Riley. I am an author and a minister. I am also a trauma survivor and live with complex PTSD, depression, anxiety, and a dissociative disorder. My prayer is that post-traumatic faith will bring you hope and joy in your own journey. Welcome to Post-Traumatic Faith. This is Jill Riley, and today, live from Las Vegas, we have Nelson Tressler. Nelson, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Jill. Is it hot down there? Uh, You know what? It's under 100, so we'll take it here. I think it's 98. 98. So if it's under 100, do you consider that not not blistering hot then? Yeah, definitely. uh, Coming (laughs) out of summer, anything under 100, uh, we'll take it. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, it's turning into fall here in in the north. So in Billings, Montana, the leaves are starting to turn. So yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about Nelson. Nelson is the founder and CEO of I Got Smarter, a goal achievement program created to help people succeed in every aspect of life. Prior to I Got Smarter, Nelson was a top real estate agent, completing well over $1 billion in transactions for his client. clients. As a serial entrepreneur, he has successfully founded over 10 businesses and has been named one of Las Vegas's top 40 under 40. Nelson's success and life philosophy come from his unique beginnings, rape, murder, extreme poverty, and the biggest trial ever to hit a small town were just a few things waiting for Nelson upon his birth. The child of a 15-year-old mother, Nelson's young life started from behind. The oldest of five children and raised in poverty by an abusive stepfather, Nelson turned resourcefulness and tenacity into a life skill. He played college football for St. Francis University and joined the U.S. Air Force on the GI Bill. He served as an electronic and navigation technician with tours in Saudi Arabia and Turkey. Upon leaving the Air Force, Nelson finished his education at University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and founded his first company. Nelson founded the I Got Smarter company centered around changing the world one person, one goal at a time. Built on over 25 years of life lessons he picked up from his murder to millions story, I Got Smarter implements the philosophies, goal setting, and personal development techniques Nelson has honed to build his personal success. He has been married for over 25 years and raised three children and currently lives in Las Vegas. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story. You tell me a little bit about your real estate business. Yeah, I've, I've was in commercial real estate for 25 years. Um, Las Vegas was very busy in commercial real estate. Uh, kind of got into commercial real estate right out of college. Didn't really know what it was. I needed an internship and uh, kind of had one uh, option and and that was in a commercial real estate firm. So I took it and ended up having a knack for it and uh, got offered a job after the internship and the rest was history. Ended up spending uh, 20 20 years with that firm, eventually uh, became the top salesman worldwide uh, for that top five firm multiple times. And uh, I think we were number one team in Las Vegas, uh, 17 years in a row or something like that. So that's great. Yeah. Good success. 
Yeah, that's great. So thank you for your service um, in, in the Air Force. What, what? Tell me a little bit about your Air Force years. Yeah, so uh, I've got quite the unique beginning. So uh, I can kind of get into that. And that's what led me into the Air Force. So uh, go for it. Start yeah, there. Ju- so, jump right in. Yeah. So you kind of touched on a little bit. I uh, My mom became pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. And uh, while she was pregnant with me, her father, who was the local trash collector in a small town in, in Pennsylvania, drove into the town square. There he spotted two police officers. He stuck a gun out the window and opened fire on those police officers, killing one and critically wounding another. And eventually he was captured and brought to stand trial where he was facing the death penalty for what he had done. Mm. And uh, during his trial, my mom got up and testified to the jury that the reason that her father had shot and killed that police officer was that that police officer had raped her and she was now pregnant with his baby, who was me. Mm. And uh, my mom's uh, testimony worked. The first trial ended in a hung jury. Uh, Eventually, my grandfather was. tried again. The state took the death penalty off the table because of my mom's uh, testimony, but he was eventually found guilty and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, where he eventually did uh, end up spending the rest of his life more than 40 years behind bars, uh, leaving behind uh, me now uh, being born, my mom, and uh, she was uh, one of 15 children in this small town. Yeah, this small town to deal with what he had done. And I don't know if you've ever lived in a small town. You're in Montana. There's probably nothing but small towns up there. (laughs) Um, But everybody knows your business there. And uh, this was the biggest thing that ever happened in this small town. So everybody now really knew uh, my family and specifically now me because I was the the baby from that trial. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of grew up... uh, we were too poor to move away from that town. Uh, you know, I'm born to a 15 year old mother. Um, eventually, you know, my mom turns 21. She meets a man who would eventually become my stepfather. Uh, they have four other children in quick succession. And because of the lifestyle that they're, you know, they're living, uh, we quickly find out that my stepfather is very abusive and is an alcoholic. And he beats me and my mom and my siblings pretty much on a daily basis. And uh, because of that lifestyle, my mom would rather me stay home and help her with the kids than go to school. And uh, I remember uh, the fourth going to the last day of fourth grade and looking down at my report card and realizing that I wasn't going to the fifth grade that I had flunked the fourth grade that I had straight F's and I'd probably miss 60 days of school because my mom would rather me stay home and, and, uh, you know, help with the kids. Yeah. Help with the kids. And, uh, and you know, everything, my, my house was chaos. I mean, there, there was constant chaos there and I, I, you know, there were always crying kids and fights and, and things like that. And that's pretty much the way my life went until one day my stepfather was walking home drunk from a bar And uh, somebody else was driving home drunk from that bar and they ended up hitting and killing him. And Mm -hmm. uh, as hard as hard as my mom's life has been to this point, uh, losing my stepfather pretty much broke my mind. My mom dropped out of school in the eighth grade. 
you know, here she is with five small children. And no matter how much she tries to wrap her mind around how she's, she can't figure out how she's going to care for these five small children on her own. And it's at this time that she decides she's going to take her own life. And uh, my mom attempts suicide. And, and fortunately, she wasn't successful with the suicide. But when she got out of the hospital, that's when my family got split up. And I went to go live with my grandmother, who was the wife of the man who shot and killed the police okay. officer. So, And so where did the other kids go? Uh, my three brothers stayed with my mom. And then my sister, who was only six months at the time, went to go live with an aunt. Okay. So did you, um, did you end up finishing school or did you, did you have to repeat grades or how did you catch up? Yeah. So fourth, I flunked fourth grade. Um, and then that was after that, my stepfather, you know, uh, did all that. I moved in with my gram and then, you know, my gram's house was the total opposite of my mom's house. You know, there was always mm-hmm. food to eat. Uh, you know, there was no drinking, there was no fighting. Uh, and my gram, me and my gram had a, a, a special relationship and my gram was very supportive, you know, pretty much every day of my life, my gram would look at me and say, Nelson, you're going to make something of your life. And, uh, you know, she was, she was very supportive mm-hmm. and, um, so one day I was in seventh grade living with my gram and somebody came into the school and they talked about what it was going to take to go to college. And I remember sitting there thinking, you know what, man, if I could go to college, uh, that my life would be set from there on out. And, uh, you know, when you tell yourself you're going to do something that's very hard, that voice right. in the back of your head starts screaming at you like, hey, come on, man. Like, <laughs> you're and, so and unrealistic. It, exactly. And, and at this time of my life, I'm in special ed. Uh, I have dyslexia. I can't read. I can't write. I uh, can't spell. And uh, I start thinking all these things. Nelson, you're going to be lucky to get out of high school, let alone get a college degree. Right. But I saw, I saw where I was going to end up. And I'm like, what do I have to lose? I mean, uh, so I just started to do the things I thought I needed to do to get into college. And, you know, uh, with the support of, of my grandmother, and uh, fortunately, I was a pretty good athlete. Uh, uh, you know, so I had a, a one college that was willing to take a chance on me to come play football for them. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, you know, they, they massage the admission requirements. And when I say (laughs) massage, I mean, deep tissue massage. And, uh, because of that, I I ended up going to college. Uh, but like any goal, you know, you always hit those hurdles or those roadblocks. And after my first year, uh, I got a bill in the mail for $3,500 and I'm living with my gram at this time. And my gram's making $4,800 a year on social security. And I owe, you know, I owe $3,500 to, to school and I, right. I'm going to owe that every semester thereafter. And I know I'm not going to be able to afford it. And so I look at my options and I looked at the United States Air Force and the GI Bill and the Air Force checked a lot of boxes because, you know, I'm dealing with being that kid and, and having the last name Tressler in this small town, and it hasn't been easy. And I'm like, you know what? The Air Force, one, showed me how I was going to be able to pay to uh, go to college, but two, it got me out of this small town, and uh, I could be anybody that I wanted to be because people didn't hear my last name or or, or see me and, and know. And hey, think of the past. Exactly. So, 
Um, I, so I joined the Air Force and um, served four years there, did as much school as I could while I was in the Air Force, and then eventually got out, uh, moved to uh, Las Vegas, went to UNLV, and it took me 12 years. It took me four different universities, and uh, but eventually I became the first person in that large family to get a college degree. Wow. So what does that, what does that mean to you to be the first of the generations to, to graduate? You know what? I I take great pride in that because it's always, it's always nice to be first because not, not for myself necessarily, but for everybody that follows, because now people know that it's possible. And I mean, it's, you, you go back to the four minute mile, like for thousands of years, they thought it was impossible. Right. And then Ro- right. Roger Bannister runs the four minute mile. And then 18 months after that, 12 people run it, run a four minute mile. So right, someone's got to break the barrier. It, exactly. And, and uh, after I was able to do that, there were a, a lot of my cousins who have now, you know, gone to school and, and gotten college degrees mm-hmm. and things like that. So I take great pride in that. And, you know, getting a college degree kind of showed me that I could do hard things. And um, it really motivated me also to realize that when you set a goal and if you stick to that goal, you can achieve any goal you put your mind to as long as you have enough time, energy and focus. And right. that's really set me up in life for success because after achieving that one goal, I became obsessed with goals and personal development and use that in every area of my life. And now as hard as my life was in the beginning, as I said here, I couldn't be any more polar opposite, uh, you know, than, than it was there because of goals and personal development and, and, uh, understanding the potential that lies not only within me, but within all of us. Right. So was your goal to graduate from college? Was it to be successful? What was the goal? Well, the first goal, yeah, was just to get a college degree. I mean, I, I, I didn't know really know what I wanted to be. Uh, it was just like if I had a college degree, I thought my life would be set no matter what it was, because I didn't, you know, I didn't really know anybody who had college degrees except for you know teachers and you know those type of people. No one in my family did. I mean, two people uh, in my immediate family had a high school diploma, so. Uh, you know, I just kind of equated that with success and that yeah. life would be easy. If, if you could get a college degree, you know, the world was your oyster. And uh, so that was just my first goal. And I didn't know anything beyond that point when I set that goal. And, and that's a lot of times that's where we need to start. I mean, there's so many people out there that want all the traffic lights to be green before they start their, you know, start on their goal. And that's not the right. way life is, or that's not the way goals work. You know, we got to take that first step. We might not know everything. It's a lot like walking through fog. You know, Uh, you can't see the the entire landscape, but as you take step after step after step, it starts to open up. And that's the way it is as you start to work on your goals. Right. So how do you um, work through in your life, breaking through maybe those shame barriers or those labels that people have put on you um, from how your, your origins and from your family, how do you break through that in your mind as a child and, or as an adult? 
Well, I think it was very hard as a child because I felt like I was damaged goods uh, my entire life. And, you know, I started to use that to my advantage. I think I use that a lot in sports. Uh, and I write about that in my book, The Unlucky Sperm Club. Uh, a lot of the situations in my childhood, I started to use that as motivation uh, to inspire me to show people that I wasn't damaged goods, that I was somebody to, you know, that, that could do good things. And I started to work harder than anybody else to prove that to people. So I think that's one thing is if, if people are, are, you know, looking down on you or treating you bad, mm -hmm. you've got to see that potential that lies within you. And we all have that potential. And right. the one great thing is, is when you see that potential, when you realize that potential's inside of you, you'll never be the same. You'll never settle for, you know, less again. And that's right. one of the things that I started to realize as I started to work hard, I started to realize that potential and, and realize that, wow, I'm a, I'm a pretty decent athlete and uh, started to have some success there. And I started and, and success begets success. Right. And, uh, and then I started to have some success at, at school and uh, personally and um, all of that. And, and I just started to see that I wasn't this damaged goods, that I was somebody who had worth. And uh, I wasn't just this kid from the trial uh, or this kid from that family uh, that I had great worth. And uh, not and, and I told myself, not only am I going to, you know, have a good life, I'm going to live a great life. And I'm going to mm -hmm. prove to these people that uh, they judged me wrong. And uh, and that's what I I. I did my best to do and, and continue. And it's to do. not only, it's not only proving it to other people, it's proving it to yourself, right? That, that your worth is, is more than what other people say about you. Yeah. And I mean, you, you got to believe in yourself because you know, that, that, that's the number one, number one thing when you're, when you're going after something, if you have self doubt, if you don't believe in yourself, all the, cheering from the sideline, it's never going to be enough if you don't believe mm -hmm. in yourself. And that, that was one thing that I, you know, it was hard because of, you know, the circumstances of my birth and everything, it was hard to believe in yourself. But once I started to do that, then there was nothing that anybody could say or do to me that would stop me because I believed in myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I mean, if you believe in yourself, there's nothing that anybody can say that can stop you. But if you don't believe in yourself, there's nothing that anyone can say to get you to where you can actually go uh, because you, you'll stop yourself. So, I mean, it's it's um, it's kind of like an armor that that helps protect you from having having that having that self-belief is that armor that protects you from other people's doubts and other people's um, expectations that they want to place on you. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. So how do you think, what would you tell other victims of abuse? I, you know, I, I resonate with your story. I'm a victim of um, childhood abuse. My mother had an eighth grade education, um, raised very poor. Um, and so as a victim of abuse and of non-optimal -op upbringing, how do you think victims can recover and become survivors? I think you need to realize that 
you're a product of your choices. I mean, we, we all go through some very trying circumstances, right? But that's not who we are. We get to choose where we end up and mm-hmm. no matter where we start. And uh, the reason that we are where we are right now is because we choose to be there. And, uh, you know, is it, is it hard uh, because of the circumstances of our childhood? Yeah, but I also think that that can be an advantage. I mean, I've, you know, for the longest time, the circumstances of my birth weakened me. Nobody even knew about it except my wife. When I moved away from that small town, I told nobody about it. I told my wife before we got married. But then I started to think, you know what? I lived that life for a reason. And, uh, and, I, and I started to think, I need to share this story so that other people can realize that they can overcome you know, circumstances like this. And as soon as I did that, uh, as soon as I gave it that meaning, it started to strengthen me. And that's one of the philosophies that we have in, in our program, I Got Smarter, is we get to give meaning to everything that happens to us in our lives. We get to write that story. And if we get to give meaning to everything that happens to us, why on earth are we giving things negative meanings? Now, does it take getting really creative over some horrible things that happened to us? Absolutely. But I've in everything in my life, I've always found some silver lining uh, that it's going to help me. Uh, So that's what I've done with, with the circumstances that I've gone through is, hey, how is this here to help me? This isn't happening to me. It's happening for me. And how am I going to use this to get me where I want to go? I, I, I don't want it to, I don't want to be a victim. Like think bad things happen, but you know what? I get to react how I'm going to react to this right. thing. And that's and, the mindset we need. And really you're saying you're differentiating yourself from saying I am my story to saying I'm a character in this story, but it doesn't define who I am. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we get we get to write that story, and that's the thing. I think so many people uh, assign their success to what's happened to them, to other people, to other circumstances, and now they have to wait until all those things change before their life can change. As opposed to understanding, hey, I'm in charge, and when you take 100 percent responsibility for your own success, now you're in charge and now you can set about changing your life because you're in charge of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you made reference to your book, um, the unlucky sperm club. And, um, so obviously we know why you named it that way, just based on your story, but did you really grow up feeling like you were completely unlucky? Well, and and I'd like to put that unlucky that UN in parentheses, because Mm -hmm. I truly, I truly feel like it's helped me to get to where I am and it's helped me become the person that I am. And originally I was going to call the, you know, the call the book, the lucky sperm club. And because I really felt like my upbringing at the end of the day uh, helped me. And I think you, you look at some of the uber successful people in this world and you dig deep enough and you see that they had some trying times in their lives and I think that's what makes people. And that's what I wanted to do with my book was just to kind of open up the curtains and show that trials in our lives, you know, setbacks and hurdles and all these tribulations, they help us grow as a person. And 
help us to become the person that can be successful. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, if I would have lived a, a middle class, uh, cushy life, w- would have I been able to, uh, you know, accomplish the things that I've accomplished? I don't know, but uh, some of the things that I went through have have made me the person that I am, given me the drive that I have, given me the contrast that I've had, right? And the inner fortitude it, to yeah. to push on. And I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it. I mean, there were horrible things that happened to me and things that I had to go through. But uh, because of that, I am who I am. And uh, I think uh, I, I wouldn't trade one of those uh, things that have happened to me. How did you, as a father and as a husband, how did you process kind of what had happened to you and differentiate from what you wanted for your family, for your children? Yeah, you know, I I remember growing up and not having a lot of great role models. I mean, I loved my family, so I, I don't want it to come off like that. And I had some uncles that I just loved and adored, but I didn't have a a lot of great role models, but I also had a lot of people that I knew they did things that I knew I would never wanted to do. And -hmm. I think sometimes we're in situations where we don't know what we want, but we know absolutely what we don't want. And sometimes you just have to see what you don't want and then make choices to stay as far away from that as you can. And, and I think for a long time, that's what I was doing is like, Hey, I don't ever want to end up like that. I don't ever want to do that. And I started to make choices so that I didn't end up like that. I didn't know where I was going, didn't know what, what I wanted to do, but I knew what I didn't want to do. So I made those choices. And then eventually I was exposed to um, you know, some good uh, examples. And, I, and then I saw what they wanted to do and and then started making those type of choices. And then that puts your family on a trajectory that is completely different from, from where you came from. Oh, yeah. I mean, my my boys couldn't have been raised any different than I was raised. And you know what? Sometimes I look at that. I mean, you, you know, not the abuse or anything like that, but I mean, right. sometimes, uh, you know, when you're, when you're raising your kids, you, you, you kind of take away some of those, the drive and things like that, that really have made you hungry. Uh, and it's kind of a fine line and, and that's Absolutely. one of, yeah, that's one of mine and my wife's, you know, lasting arguments is, Hey, let's let our kids want for something here. You know, let's let them work for something because, you know, if your kids never want for anything, then, you know, where's that drive going to come from? And, and, and those are the things that have, you know, made us successful. We can't take that all away from these kids, but that's in the back of our heads, especially when you've come from nothing is you want to give your kids everything I, you know, I don't want them yeah. to be, you know, be like I've been, but it's a fine line. And, and I catch myself, you know, you know, your kid turns 16 and you're like, oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get him a new car and this and that. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe I need to, maybe he needs to drive a, you know, a clunker for a year or two to realize what it's like. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think giving giving our kids perspective um, and and allowing them, like you said, to get hungry is really important. But like you said, you know, when you try to break a cycle and you and you want that so different for your family, it's hard not to give them everything and provide them with everything that you never had. Um, and you know, I find that um, in different areas in our life and in, in thinking about our kids and how we wanted relationship to be. So so yeah, I respect that. So tell me this, um, what is success to you? You know what? I think success for, for me is my, fa- is my family and, and my marriage. Um, you know, my, my number one goal is I want to be married for 50 years. Uh, and I just, I just was married for 25 years and there's a lot of things that go into being married 25 years. One, you have to you have to want to be married and you have to want yep. your, your spouse to want to be married to you. You have to be healthy enough to live that long. And, uh, you know, so I, I want that, uh, I want to have great relationships with, with my family and, uh, with my kids. And I want my kids to grow up and be productive, uh, you know, people. And, uh, you know, all, all this, all this is for not, if you're, if your kids grow up and are miserable people and not happy and don't have great families, I agree. I mean, you know, uh, your posterity is really, that's all you're letting behind, uh, is, is the people that you, you, you know, your kids that you're raised and the kids that they raised. And, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm just looking to, to leave this world better than, than when I got it. And the way that I'm going to do that is with, uh, leaving, uh, you know, some good kids that are uh, mm-hmm. gonna, you know, gonna leave the world better than the, what they left it. Yeah. So tell me about I got smarter. What is that? Yeah. So I mean, we we talked about the goal of uh, graduating college, and I quickly realized how important goals are. And you know, I, I started more than ten businesses through my career, and uh, was able to sell some of those and and exit. And I got to the point where you know, I was just thinking, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? You know, it's not in me to kind of pop my feet up and watch waves crash. So I started to think, okay, what am I going to do? And to this point, nobody knew about my childhood and uh, the circumstances, again, except for my wife. And I started to reflect upon that. And I started to realize how important goals were to me and, and uh, what a, huge impact they played in my life. And I had helped a bunch of people set goals and achieve goals, you know, for free and just to help people out. And I thought, you know, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And then I just, I, I had designed this program for my, my use and the use of my close friends. And I'm like, people could really use this. And, uh, and I saw what a difference it made in people's lives. And I'm like, this would really be good if I could design it into an app and uh, a full-blown program and, you know, do uh, accountability groups or success groups and things like that. And so that's what I, that's what I did is I, I developed it into an, uh, an app and it's a full-blown goal achievement program that makes you achieving your goals 95% more likely than uh, if you're out there doing it with any other goal achievement program. And where can people find the app at? It's available at, on, on Apple and Android at the app stores. 
or you can go to nelsontressler.com and find it there, uh, or igotsmarter.com. Great. Well, and your book can be found on Amazon, right? Yep. And it's, uh, it's available everywhere books are sold. It's also available on Audible if you like listening to your books. Great. Did you do the reading of, of the book yourself? I did. Very humbling, uh, <laughs> especially with dyslexia. So, I mean, it, uh, but yeah, it's very humbling, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a great experience. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that is a, uh, is a arduous task sometimes doing the reading part. It so was. I have, I have one last question for you. What is um, a singular goal that you're working on right now? You know what? I want to, I want to change the world one person and one goal at a time through this program. I know how important goals can be to people. You know, goals are not just for the person achieving the goals. Goals are generational. Uh, Because of that one goal that I had of graduating college, not only is my life different, but my children's life is different and their life is going to be different. So I want I want to take this program out there. I want, excuse me, other people to realize the power of goals and how to set a goal and not only how to set it, uh, but how to achieve that goal and to change their lives and to make their families' lives better and their lives better. And that's what I want to do with the rest of my life is to make the world a better place by helping people achieve their life's biggest goals. You know, I'm not out there to tell you what your what your life's biggest goals should be. I'm just out there to help you achieve what you feel like it should be. I love it. My son uh, got a black belt in Taekwondo when he was in the sixth grade. And he says on the way home from his test, he says, well, now that I've reached my goal, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And I thought, you're 12. Find another goal. (laughs) So thank you for helping people find goals and reach them. I think that is um, absolutely admirable. And um, I listen, I look forward to reading your book. And um, and if you want to know more about Nelson, like he said, uh, check him out at nelsontressler.com. Correct? Yep. Okay. Nelsontressler.com and you can find book on Amazon and then you can go to, um, I got smarter. So Nelson, thank you so much for your time and for your sharing your story so freely. Thanks for having me, Jill. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the post-traumatic faith podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google podcast today. You can follow Jill on social media on Facebook and Instagram, jillreilly.author and on Twitter, Jill Riley Author. Email jill at jillreilly.org.